Amen, amen. Well, happy new year. It's so good to see you. We finally made it to 2021. And I don't know what you're expecting or looking for or hoping for this year, uh, but I, I pray and ask that, uh, that God would be glorified in our lives. And that's, that's our hope, that's our prayer. And uh, I was thinking over the past few weeks, uh, what can I give as maybe a, a pastoral encouragement to us here in 2021? And uh, I remember standing up last year at the same time and casting this big vision of here's where we're going as a church and this is what we're doing. And we had no idea that two, three months later that we would be going online and we would be meeting at home and we would be isolated and we would be trying to figure out our way through this pandemic. And so it seems really foolish to stand up here again in 2021 and say, here's where we're going and here's what's happening. I learned something from Amber's grandfather. He used to end almost every one of his sentences by saying, Lord willing. It's a wise statement. We're going to eat lunch today, Lord willing. We're going to go to school this week, Lord willing. We're going to make it through 2021, Lord willing. In James chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So this morning, I want to give us some things that I know that the Lord wills. Not things that we hope for. Not things that we're just, you know, we're wishing to, to, to happen this year. It's literally the Lord's will for your life this year that don't change based on the circumstances. I think we all hope that 2021 brings an end to this pandemic, but what if it doesn't? I think many of us anticipated coming into the new year and, and hopefully not having to wear masks when we go to the grocery store and sit with our friends and eat meals and, and be able to have people into our home, but what if it doesn't? What are the things that change or don't change no matter what circumstances are thrown at us? Our, our circumstances, our surroundings are not the pace setter of our behavior. What stays the same regardless of what comes at us in 2021? And so I, I had this phrase that I've been pondering over the last few weeks, and it's not a unique phrase. I've heard people say it before, but it, it just kind of struck me. New year, same savior. I think we're, we're used to a phrase, new year, new you. We're all trying to remake ourselves. We want, we want to become a better us, a different us. And so it's all about change. But I began to focus, what, what stays the same? New year, same savior. And I just began to ponder that. And I actually came up with three things that I believe don't change. And maybe in a year of wanting to go back to some sense of normalcy, this is comforting. Because at least there's something that's constant. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. And there's some other things that never change. So first one is this. New year, same vision. 
And not the vision of Ecclesia, not the vision of our pastors, not the vision of what we hope to see happen in the city, although I think that's tied in, but the vision God has for each of our lives. So we're going to look at three different passages, three things that never change. The first one is in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. If you got your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to kind of be looking at big chunks of scripture with each one of these. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, this is the Israelites going into Babylonian captivity. They're headed into exile. And this is what the Lord spoke to them. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile. God sent them into exile. From Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, what's interesting is Early, early on when we first found out that we were going to be isolated to our homes and this was going to be some sense of the new normal, most of us had conversations like, well, when, this is, when, when I get out of this, when we get back, when we're no longer at home, and what's interesting is I found a book by Eugene Peterson called Run With Horses, and the thing that he uh, compared was exile is basically where you're, you're in a place you don't really want to be. And if we think about this last year, we were in a place where we just really didn't want to be. With people maybe we really didn't want to be with. Doing things we didn't really want to do. And we were just waiting for it to end. And what's interesting is the Israelites had the same thought. They're in captivity, they're in a foreign land, a foreign place, foreign customs, foreign beliefs, foreign languages, all of this is foreign, and they're planted in the middle of the city, and in the middle of the city, they're thinking, when do we get to go home? Let's just get back to normal. And what the Lord spoke to them in this text that we just read is that actually you might want to get used to it. This is a new normal. He's saying, you don't get to just sit around and wait for something to come back to some sense of normalcy. You need to get to work. You need to produce. You need to be fruitful. You need to actually build. You need to cultivate. He, he said there, there's, a, there's a season in which like, yes, come and mourn the loss of what is, but produce, get to work. And this has been the calling ever since Adam and Eve, the, the, the creation mandate on Adam and Eve was for them to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. And the same is true for you and I today. Some of us took the last year as an opportunity for self-indulgence, if we're honest. 
Many of us took last year as an opportunity to indulge in sinfulness. Most of us, I think, tried and, and, and sought to stay engaged, but few of us actually took the season and looked at it as an excuse to be lazy. Now, as we enter into 2021, my pastoral encouragement to us is that we realize and recognize that the same calling that God gave the Israelites in exile is the same calling he's called on us today to be fruitful, to take wives, to get married, to build, to cultivate, to produce something that builds the kingdom of God. That's the charge he gave them. This is not because we're, we're isolated, licensed to be disengaged, unfruitful, and destructive. I would say not only did a lot of Christians fall into that, I think a lot of pastors fell into that. That churches basically looked at it as a season to take off. And I know it was challenging. I know this last year was hard. I know that we couldn't physically come together at, at points of the year in person. But initially, when this, this happened, and this isn't meant to toot our horn, but to just give you an example, we as a church have the same responsibility to continue cultivating, continue producing, continue to be fruitful in the midst of a difficult season. And so we, we gathered as a team, and we said, how can we continue to gather people? How can we continue to bring nourishment and life to our body that God has given us? How can we continue to gather together? And there's a lot to celebrate from this last year. In the midst of a difficult year, God still was allowing us to see fruit in our ministry. Praise God. But I say all that because we're not through this yet. And this next year, we, I, I'll share with you, we, we've already budgeted $30,000 that we're giving away to support church planning this year. And so we've committed. We're going to continue to be fruitful. We're going to continue to reach deep into our city. That, that money will go to help fund church plants. That money will go to help fund Ecclesia communities. That money will help to go and fund community outreach. And that's almost half of what we've given in the last four or five years as a church. So that's a big step. We are committed to being fruitful. We're committed to continue producing my question to you is how will you be productive? How will you continue to produce and cultivate? How do you plan to steward your days and resources in 2021? A quick story. I remember, uh, for some of you who have been around a while, you remember Joe and Whitney Finke. I remember these guys because I think they, they are a great example and a picture of this. They came here on medical residency. We're, we're only here a year and a half, two years, maybe at the most. And they deeply got invested. This wasn't just a, you know, bus stop for them where they just kind of stop and they wait till the next stage of life. They said, we're deeply going to invest. We're deeply going to engage in relationships. We're deeply going to engage in the work that Ecclesia, seeking to see the Salt Lake Valley saturated with the good news of Jesus. And they deeply invested. And, and that two years was not only very shaping in, in what they were able to do alongside us, but very shaping to them personally. 
that Joe would go and actually Joe is, is helping lead a church and, and help shape community groups and missional communities there in Parker, Colorado. And, and I'm like, it's amazing just to see. They, they invested. They didn't say, hey, this is just time to take off. And, and I'm just saying, this, this year is an opportunity for you to produce Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Without a plan, without intentionality of how you are going to spend and invest and steward your resources, you'll walk into destructive behavior. You, get, you have to be intentional. You have to have a plan. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, we know this verse. It's, I, have, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a, a future and a hope. And, and I think that's what's beautiful in this is that even in the midst of exile, in the midst of this, what would be... A, for in their lens, a very terrible circumstance, God said, I'm with you, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you, and, and I have a plan, I have a purpose. The very reason they were in exile was due to their unfaithfulness to God. And so through exile, they would lose a lot of things, but they would find God. And maybe that's been actually our journey, is that we experienced the loss of 2020. There's a lot of loss in 2020, but we find God in the midst of it. And God is actually shaping us. He's doing something. How will you do that in 2021? I just, this is my encouragement is, is don't waste 2021. I, I stood in front of a small handful of you and, and, and I said, hey, don't waste the coronavirus. Don't waste the season that God has given us. It's a very unique season. Don't waste it. How will you invest it? How will you steward it? God is wanting to do something in you. And I would encourage you before we get too far into 2021 to take a look back on 2020 and say, God, what, what did you do in me? I read a quote this past week that sinners are always wanting what is lacking to them and souls full of God want only what they have. I think we can easily look into this next year and, and we want and desire all these things, but God has given us some things that we are to be thankful for and God produced some things in us this last year that we can be thankful for. We need to pause and reflect and then we need to get to work. Be productive. Second thing, not only New Year, same vision, New Year, same pursuit. New Year, same pursuit. What are we pursuing? What are we going after? Individually, what are we, what are we going after? What are we, what are we building? What are we, what are we hoping to see? And throughout Scripture, one of the things that we see, and there was a pattern set for it in the Old Testament that we're going to look at starting in Exodus chapter 19, but it, it was a seeking and a pursuit of holiness of holiness. I think so often we, we get so caught up in all the things we're going to learn, all the things we're going to do, and I'm like, how many of us created a New Year's resolution to be holy? I, I, honestly, like, to be holy, to pursue holiness. 
That is what God is after. That's his heart for you. I used to always say, God's not out to make you happy. He's out to make you holy. God is not as, as concerned as your, uh, your comfortability as he is your character. He wants to shape you, to form you into his image. And so this year, not only do we need to get to work, but we are to pursue holiness. In Exodus chapter 19, you can turn over there with me. We see God meeting with the Israelites on Mount Sinai. We're going to look at Exodus 19, 10 through 25. It says this. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people, and he consecrated the people. And they washed their garments and said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look at them, to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come back, come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. And we see this, and we're like, why all these instructions? Why do the Israelites have all these rules set up uh, around the proximity of God? And, and then we go, and you read all the way Exodus 19 to Exodus chapter 30. is all about the tabernacle, about how the people of God would worship, that God would tabernacle amongst them, that God would reside in the, the, the tabernacle tent, and, and that they would go to the tent, and they would meet with God. And all of these like rules and stipulations and, and, and guiding and setting up barriers. So it's all about the holiness of God. God is setting up a pattern of worship that you would come together and worship God. That you would come into his presence frequently, regularly. And that moment of coming before God would change you would transfer. It caused fear. The mountain is trembling. And so we, we see this, this, this picture of, of, of God's 
holiness. We see God's serious about holiness. God's serious about being set apart. God is serious about our pursuit of holiness. And I I think so many of our New Year's resolutions are all about running from something. I'm going to run from the cookie jar. That's what I'm trying to do. But it's not about running to something. And this whole picture and this pattern of worship is that there's a, there's a place. Now, now, we on this side of Jesus know the picture of, of the fact that God's temple is, is with us, that, that, that we can be in his presence even right now. But there was a picture of going, we need to bring ourselves into the presence of God frequently, regularly. That would be our source of sanctification, the proximity to God. What I found interesting in, in, in Gallup polls, and maybe you saw the statistics, is they basically took all the different people groups, demographics, uh, socioeconomic status, all of these different groups, and they said, how many of them, their life improved in 2020 over 2019? You may look back over the last year and you're like, 2020 better than 2019, really? But they looked at men. Just men. Were men's life statistically better in 2020 over 2019? No. Women. That demographic. No. What about if you make 40 to 50,000? No, 2020 wasn't better. What if you make 100,000? What if you make a million dollars a year? Was your life better in 2020 than 2019? No. There was only one group in all demographics of people that 2020 was better than 2019. What is that group? People who attended a worship gathering every single week. If they attended three times a month, it, 2020 was worse. The only people whose 2020 was better than 2019 are people that attended a worship gathering with the body every single week, week in, week out. It tells me that that proximity, coming before the presence of God with gathered people of God, is shaping. It's shaping. And we can't neglect it and we can't forfeit it. But I would just say, not only coming together as, as God's people here in this room, how will you come into, the pro, into proximity with God on a regular basis? How will you spend proximity, your, your days in proximity to Jesus? If we are going to pursue holiness, we need to regularly come before his presence. Here's the the truth. The closer I am to Jesus, the least chances I'm I'm going to get off track. And you may say, Justin, it sounds rules. It sounds like legalism. Here's the thing. If you're walking in continual habitual sin, 
I, I highly doubt you're, you're spending regular time with Jesus. And, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, wow, like this is, this is really challenging. This is convicting. I, I hope that this is encouraging in the sense of going, Jesus has given us a way to be transformed and changed. When we come into his presence, it changes us. It transforms us. You cannot change on your own. You cannot be transformed. You can't, as we say in Texas, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and, and be like, I'm going to be a new me. It's the sanctification comes, the change in you comes by being in the presence of Jesus. If you're walking in sin, you're not communing with Jesus. You're not praying to Jesus. You're not saturating your mind with Jesus. These things can't coexist. You cannot be constantly and continually in the presence of Jesus and walking in sin. The reason why is because you worship your way into sin and you worship your way out of sin. The way you got into sin is you worshiped it. There was something you were going after. That something would satisfy. That something would, would give some sense of satisfaction, happiness, joy in your life. And you believe that. You believe that in, in that very created thing, that there was something good in it. And that good in that would, would satisfy, would do something in me. And the only way out of that is to worship something greater. And that's Jesus. It's Jesus. So my question to you is, how will you pursue proximity with Jesus in 2021? It's essential. It's essential. You may say, I'm, I'm above it. I don't need these regular patterns and rules. Here's the thing. We know enough celebrity pastors in the world today who have fallen because of moral failure to say, it's, none of us are above it. None of us are above it. All of us are capable of falling tremendously. We must pursue holiness. We must fight. And if there's anything that I hope to stir in you today, it's a grit. I will not give in. I will fight. Now here's the thing. You will fail. But fight. Don't go down without a fight. Pursue holiness. Third thing is this. New year, same Savior. New year, same Savior. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. If you know this story, it's the story of a man with two sons. It, and in this, one son asked for his father's inheritance. It's basically the son saying, Father, I wish you were dead. And Give me the inheritance that's coming to me. And, and the father did that. And it said the son went off and he, he spent this, everything he had on reckless living. And he found himself in, in a place that was uh, not very appealing or appetizing or uh, in many ways, he, he reflected back that it would be better to be a servant in my father's house than where I am today. 
And in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, where we'll pick up, it says this. But when he came to himself, and that's what happens, and that's what I pray happens for most of us, that there would come a point in our life where we come to ourselves, where we recognize the depth of which we've fallen. That we're saying, I, I'm, I'm in a place I don't want to be. I don't want to continue. And he says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Here's why I share that this morning. When it comes to to pursuing holiness, Repentance is is a key core part of that. You will not pursue holiness without repentance. And we won't repent unless we understand that the Father is able to forgive, that the Father is going to see us a long ways off and He's going to come running towards us. What a beautiful picture because I think most of us in our sin, we think God is actually retreating from us. And until we see that God is actually running towards us in our sin, that he's running towards us in pursuit of us, we'll never come to him. We'll never turn from sin and turn to God, which is what repentance means, We will continually be on the run from our Father. And the reason I bring this up is because there's not one of us in this room that doesn't need to repent. We need to constantly walk in a state of repentance as a church. And in the same way that God the Father comes and He celebrates the coming home of the son and turning of sin and conviction of sin and and coming back to the father, we should celebrate with every single person that, that follows that same pattern within our church. Here's what I know. Um, when spring comes around, I have these, I have a lot of flower beds around my house. It's a gift and a curse because every year, Grass grows up in those flower beds. Now, I don't have a lot of patience. So for me, it's like, how do I get rid of that grass as quickly as possible? When in reality, the only way to go about it is just one by one, pulling up every little weed, grass. And this is a picture of repentance. Now, here's the thing. Next spring, that grass is going to grow back. 
Repentance is not a one-time thing. We have to continually pull up the weeds, uproot the weeds in our life. I, I, I read a, I can't even remember where I read it, but uh, it was like two, three weeks ago, Pastor Ray Ortland, he said, what if in 2021, all of our personal thoughts and imaginations were to be displayed to the world? How many of us would sign up for that? Uh, not me. He said it would lead to just massive embarrassment, massive humility, but it would lead to massive revival. Because the truth is, it's, it's every one of us. All of us come to God empty-handed. The son here comes to his father and he's, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy. And, and the father takes all the goods and reinstates him right back into the family. Give him the robe. Give him the ring. Put sandals on his feet. Get, get the calf. Let's, let's celebrate. I'm wondering, what would it look like for us to normalize repentance in our church in 2021, that that is a, a constant path that we walk as a church, not something that's just rare, that like, oh, you know, like we heard, you know, someone turned, you know, like it's constant. We are constantly on our face before God repenting. Why? Because we have a great Savior who forgives us. So this is my pastoral encouragement for 2021. We got work to do. God wants us to, to be fruitful. God wants us to produce. And I think there's, there's two ditches that we can fall into this morning. One is religion, where it's like, it's just rules and I, I, I hear you and I'm just gonna get to work, I'm just gonna try harder. And the other is rebellion. And rebellion just says, I'm not going to match up, so I'm just going to do what I want, and I'm going to make my own rules. And I, I would just encourage you to avoid these two ditches. And come before your Father who loves you, who cares for you, and say, God, what do you want for me this year? How can I steward the resources you've given me this year? Lord, how do you want to transform me and shape me this year? Lord, what do you want me to repent of this year? It's a new year, but these are the same patterns that he wants us to walk in year in, year out. Be fruitful. Be holy. Come to your Savior in repentance. I'll share a story with you as, as we close, and worship team can go ahead and come, come on back up. For the last two weeks, I've, I've been meeting with a man who is in his late 70s. I came to know this man through another church, another Acts 29 church actually in South Africa. His son's a member of that church and he reached out to me and said, hey, would you reach out to my father? My father lives in the Salt Lake City area and he's really going through a bad time. 
And so I, I connected with this man and began to hear his story and begin to hear his journey. And in many ways, this man is in his own exile. In a season where he's kind of lost. He, originally from Russia, he can't go back home, but yet he has nowhere else to go. He, he's kind of stuck. And I began to hear his story over this past week, and, and ultimately he's, he's moving towards a decision of getting out of life early, taking his own life. And he looked at me and he said, Justin, here, here's the thing. There's only one reason, there's three reasons why someone would want to stay. I said, okay, what are, what are those three reasons? So the only reason why someone would want to stay, if you have someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. And I sat with this man and he said, Justin, I don't have any of those. I don't have anyone to love, I don't have anything to do, and I don't have anything to look forward to. And because of that, I want to be done. I want you to imagine for a second you're sitting across from this man. What do you share? What do you say? What do you do? The story of, of God's word and scripture is that God has not only given us someone to love, but he loves you and I very, very much. The story of the Bible is that God has given us something to spend our days that are of significance, of great purpose, of great meaning, and he desires of us to be fruitful. He's given us something to do. And the Bible writes and tells not of just some time in the future that we hope for and long for, but he says he comes to give us life here today. Now I sit across from this man and I share this with him. And he says he's prepared to meet his maker. He's prepared to stand before God and give an answer for his life. And I'm, I'm begging him and I'm telling him, I'm like, sir, there's someone who loves you. There's something for you to do. There's something to hope for. My question is, do you? Do you believe that this morning? The Lord has something to do for you to do this year. As Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He has plans for you, for you. Things that he wants you to do this year. Do you have the margin and space to be obedient to what he asks of you? Are you seeking to pursue the things that he's after? 
Do you know him as a great savior that will forgive you of all your sins? In 1 John, it says that when we sin, we have an advocate and that he'll forgive you and he'll restore you to right relationship with God the Father. You can come running home. And so I just pray that even this morning, it's just a fresh start for us. Just a fresh start of of what 2021 holds. And the circumstances and the situations, they may not change. But we'll be faithful to what God asks us to do. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to be a part of a great work building an eternal kingdom. Father, I I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would put fight in our bones to pursue holiness, that you would help us steward our days, our time, because the days are evil. And Lord, may we believe the gospel fully and because of that, walk in repentance daily. May we not continue to be on the run from our Father. May we recognize our sin and come and say, Father, I'm not worthy. And let us hear the words of God the Father. As we talked about a few weeks ago, He who comes, he will not cast you out. Lord, thank you for this good news this morning. Thank you that we can pursue you with all of our heart, even when we do that in our failures, in our our lack of consistency. You've given us new mercies every day to start over. And right here, we just wanna, we wanna do over. We wanna start over and that's your grace in our lives. So, Father, I pray that we would just even right now just renew that commitment and covenant with you this morning. That we would pursue you with all of our heart in 2021. That we'd live nearer to Christ this year than we ever have before.